在这边呢，叫做历史上咱最关心的系列历史书，踏着这个唔不假嘅路。Brothers and sisters, let us continue in our current series, Set Foot on the Road, Never Travel. Today, let's look at Joshua chapter 3. Our spiritual GPS. What is GPS? A GPS is the acronym for Global Positioning System. It's a global positioning system. Today we are living in a world wherein the technology is quite advanced. When we go to a place we have never been to, we use our GPS. Here in the Philippines, we have a very popular application called Waze. And we travel that path according to direction of Waze. Even though we have never been to that place, but eventually we will reach our destination. About 3,000 years ago, of course there was no GPS yet. If they are to travel to a place they've never been to, how do they do it? Joshua was about to embark on a path that he had never, uh, he had never walked into. Because chapter three talks about how the Israel, the people of Israel, traveled through the Jordan River, uh, going to the Promised Land. It was a path that they have never walked down upon. So how do they do it? Joshua chapter three. If you are to read Joshua chapter 3, you would notice one thing. There were 11 times uh, the, the Ark of Covenant was mentioned there. So we know that chapter 3 focused on the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of Covenant is our spiritual GPS. Then what is the Ark of Covenant? But uh, it's, uh, simply put, the Ark of the Covenant is just a, sim it's a simple cabinet made out of wood. But it is covered with gold. There are two cherubims on top. And what's most important there is what's found inside. It's the Ten Commandments of the Lord. But there's a very important spiritual meaning to the Ark of Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant represents the presence of the Lord with us. Why do I say this? Look at 1 Samuel chapter 4. So, sent, so the people sent men to Shiloh, and they brought back the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord Almighty, who was enthroned between the cherubim. This is a very interesting passage in the Bible. It talked about how the Lord Almighty is enthroned between the cherubim. It's like the exclusive vehicle or the carriage of the Lord. To put it in today's term for us to understand more clearly, it is the, uh, it's, it's equivalent to the N501 or the vehicle of the chairman of the Communist Party in, in China. 
Tomorrow there are times we will receive a phone call you know problem is there maybe we have our um, uh, medical checkup and the result comes out there the problem comes out these are things beyond our control but please remember Every, uh, in, in God's uh, sovereignty we need to follow and uh, follow his spiritual GPS. But in Joshua chapter 3, there are three very important principles about the spiritual GPS that we need to learn. Number one, Number one we need to look at the, Lord, the Lord's Ark of Covenant. Because we follow its direction. We have to follow the priest who carries the Ark of the Covenant. Because the leaders are the example for us to follow. We need to look at God's promises. Because God's word is our guarantee. Let me explain. Let me explain. First, we need to keep our eyes upon the Lord's Ark of the Covenant because it is our direction. Look at chapter 3, verses 3 to 5. Giving orders to the people when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, the Levitical priest carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. But keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the ark. Do not go near it. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Joshua gave clear instructions to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, your God, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. That's simple and clear instruction. We follow the direction of the Ark of the Covenant. Where the Ark of the Covenant will move, we are to follow. Today, when we drive, we often use Waze. Waze is a very good app. 
But for those who are so used to relying on ways, you probably have this experience. Sometimes the ways will lead us down very strange and weird paths. Sometimes it likes to go through shortcuts. Sometimes it'll uh, lead us down in a very narrow path filled with informal settlers. And the more we drive down the path, the more afraid we become. Because Waze doesn't know what that place, what's in that place. Sometimes it's just better to follow your own instinct or your own direction. But, but, you should never depart from the spiritual GPS of our Lord. Because God's ways are always the best. Let me ask you this very simple question. From A to B, what is the shortest path or the easiest, easiest path from A, point A to point B? From A to B. From A to B. What is the simplest and the fastest route? Straight, right? straight path. Simplest and uh, fastest route is to go to a straight path. But what's amazing? You are to follow the spiritual GPS of our Lord. We will see that God's paths are not always like that. Yes, A go B. Yes, we travel from A point A to point but, but before B. But before we reach B. A Jaoki C. We from we travel from A to C. C Jaoki D. C to D. D Jaoki E. D to E. E Jaoki G. And D E to G. And G back to B. And from G to B. So you finally will arrive, arrive in your final destination. Before B, but before you reach that destination, C, D, e, F, G. you pa pa go through C, D, E, F, G. God's path is not always the fastest, but it is always the best. Why? Why? Because God will want us to learn this very important thing. Before you reach your final destination, you need to experience God and know God from point C, D, E, F, G. For you to know that our God is the Almighty God. And before you reach your final destination, you would find improvement and maturity in your spiritual life. Moses was the one who led the people of Israel out of Egypt. During the time of Moses, there's this uh, road. The race to the Philistine. It's called the Ways to the Philistine. The King Road. Another uh, name for that road is called the King's Road. If you are to use this road, it is the most direct and the easiest road to take. You can uh, travel from Egypt direct to Philistine. It's Gaza. Uh, it's it's the current place called Gaza. It, we will travel there very quickly. But God's GPS 
did not allow them to use that route. Look at what the Bible tells us. In Exodus chapter 13, verses 17 to 18. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country. Uh, though that was shorter, for God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around the desert road toward the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of Egypt ready for battle. And God did, uh, led the people through a different highway. They went through the desert road towards the Red Sea. Because they want, uh, God wants the people to experience God's protection and God's guarantee. As they stood before the Red Sea, they have nowhere else to turn. God opened the Red Sea. It was the first time the people of Israel experienced God's miracle. As they passed through the Red Sea, they had no, they had no water to drink. God allowed the rock to produce water for them. To drink. They had no food to eat. God provided manna for them. Because they were going through the desert, the temperature was quite high. <laughs> the pillar of cloud appeared. And at night it was so cold. Because they were in the desert. So at night, the pillar of fire God used a pillar of fire to guide them. God protected the people of Israel. In the midst of the wilderness, they had this very huge umbrella. And it covered the sun. And at night, they had this, they had this really big uh, fireplace. And God's meaning for them is It is God's uh, intention rather that the people of Israel experience God's power and God's protection before they are able to reach the promised land. So please take note God's ways are not always the easiest way or the best way. But God's ways remain the best ways. We sometimes do not understand why. When you look back, but when we look back, we will realize how good and how how God's ways are the best. There are two principles we need to know. Number one, we need to keep an appropriate distance from God's Ark of Covenant. In Joshua 3 verse 4, it says, uh, Then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before, but keep a distance about 2,000 cubits between you and the ark. Do not go near it. You need to keep a distance between you and the uh, ark of uh, covenant. You cannot travel uh, in front of that uh, ark. Nor should you follow too far behind. There is a distance. In here it says 2,000 cubits. A cubit is about 
cubits from the our fist to our elbow. About a, a feet and a half. So two thousand. So two thousand. It's about one thousand. Uh, ten thousand feet. One thousand. Uh, one thousand feet. Oh, Sorry. It's not too far, nor is it too near. Have you thought of this problem? Why do we need to keep that distance? Please take note. Remember that it, uh, the people of Israel do not number to 200 people. Nor is it 20,000 people who crossed the Jordan River. There were 2 million uh, Israelites and includes male and female. There are animals, there are uh, cattle, there are uh, sheep. But if you're too near, and the, uh, the people at the back won't know where they are. But if you're, because they're, uh, the, the line is too long, turn to left. If the people in the front will turn to the left, the people at the back won't know. So the distance is to allow them to have enough time to, to inform people at the back. That's why they need that distance. The same way when we drive. We often find this uh, bumper sticker in, uh, on cars. Keep distance. Keep distance. You should not go too near that person. If there's this very interesting sticker. You, you can read this, you are too close. If you can read this, you are too close. It means you're not keeping your distance. That's why there, there, now we need to have this appropriate distance between us and our, that Ark of Covenant. So we can see it clearly. We cannot be too near nor too far. It's the same way with our relationship with God. On the one hand, we need to uh, worship God and to, to be devoted to the But in our devotion to the Lord, to our worship to our Lord, it should not be disorderly. We need to draw near to God. There should be a balance between our worship, our reverence to the Lord, and our uh, drawing near to the Lord. You know, there's this church. I have, I have no idea if you have ever been into these kind of churches. When you go into the church, the first thing you notice, they would uh, sing one song. The Lord is in the sanctuary. The, the whole world should remain quiet or remain silent. So everyone, as they come, as they enter into the sanctuary, they cannot speak. Because they are in the presence of the Lord. They come with reverence before the Lord. Oh, there's another kind of oh, kind. You go in and it's a very celebratory, uh, festive mood. Oh, 
And we see people, we say, hi, long time no see. But we see elderly. And when they, when they converse, when they speak, they speak so loudly. Don't be angry with them. You know why they speak so loudly? Because they cannot hear themselves clearly. Because they need to hear themselves. And because they cannot hear themselves, they thought that other people cannot hear them. They would say in a loud voice, Oh, you're here. And you say, Pastor, who's right? There's no right and there's no wrong here. We need to revere God. We need to draw near to God. But there need there is a need for balance. When should we exercise reverence and when should we uh, exercise this intimacy? It depends on your spiritual maturity. May the Lord help you. This is the first As you follow the Ark of the Covenant, you need to keep an appropriate distance. The second, it's most imp- or more important. We need to consecrate ourselves. Look at verse 5. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Since the Ark of the Covenant represents the presence of the Lord, there are many unique characteristics in God's life. And one of them, the most important, He is holy. God often say to himself, uh, say to us that he is a holy God. Look at Leviticus 1145. I am the Lord who brought you out of Egypt to be your God. Therefore be holy because I am holy. So may the Lord help. As we, as we who are followers of the Ark of the Covenant, Lord, we need to consecrate our lives. That's why we need to do spiritual cleaning in our life. We need to take away all things that are unclean. The people of Israel. Among the days that they observe in the year is called the Day of Atonement. It is the day of quietness for the people, for the whole nation, for them to stand before the Lord and evaluate themselves. Being holy or being uh, being uh, consecrated doesn't mean uh, perfection. To be consecrated means to be set apart, to be separate. You need to be set apart from this world. There are the things that are, that are the ways of the, the world that we do not need to follow. That's called consecration. Let me share with you a testimony. 1988, when I came to the Philippines to start serving, 
因为我是香港overseas 我差不多十个人。我们在餐厅吃饭。我们在餐厅吃饭。我们在餐厅吃饭。我们在餐厅吃饭。我们在餐厅吃饭。我们在餐厅吃饭。我们在餐厅吃饭。我们在餐厅
Tell the priest who carried the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. While ago, I mentioned that the Ark of the Covenant appeared 11 times in chapter 3. Seven of them was, was mentioned in reference or in conjunction with the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant. Joshua said, when you see the priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant move, you follow them. Because they are our leaders. They are our model. What are leaders? What do you mean when we call leaders? I have this very simple explanation. The full, uh, simplest this, uh, description of a leader is if we are willing to follow the person walking in front of us, then that person, he or she, is our leader. Full stop. Whoever is in front of us, and you're willing to follow that person, that person is your leader. But the problem is, why are we following this person and not following the other person? There are two people in front of us. One is on the uh, left and one is on the right. Which one will you follow? This is where uh, we can see the difference between worldly leaders and spiritual leaders. We follow worldly leaders. It's for our benefit. And this benefit does not depart from these few things. Name and fame. Second is their authority. And there are other people who follow it for women or for sex. We follow it with self-serving benefits. But please remember, when you follow a spiritual leader, what the, the things that you can gain from it is the life model or the role model that person can give you. He cannot give you money. He may not be able to give you any authority, but he will give you abundant life through the example that he lit of his life. Two million Israelites need to go through the Jordan River. Please remember, this is a new generation of Israelites. These were people who were born in the wilderness. The whole, their whole life, they have never seen such a huge body of water. They are afraid when they go through a big body of water. You know, Jordan River is not wide nor deep. If you've ever been to the Holy Land, you look at Jordan River and you look at it as a very ordinary river. But, but during the spring time, spring time, during the time of harvest, Jordan River the Jordan River will have a flooding. Look at chapter 3, verse 15. Now the Jordan is at the flood stage all during harvest. Yet as soon as, as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan their, and their feet touched the water's edge, you know why? You know why? Because the Jordan River is a 
because the origin of the Jordan River is Mount Hermon. And Mount Hermon is covered whole year round with snow. During springtime, the snow will melt. So it will become water. And from that mountain, it will flow down. So the whole Jordan River will flood. This is a picture of uh, Jordan River in 1947. On the other side is Jericho. So when the people of Israel stood before the Jordan River, they witnessed probably the same scene. They, are, they became afraid. In their whole life, never seen such a big a body of water. How are they supposed to cross that body of water? Follow the ark, follow the priest. But uh, they were instructed to just follow the priest. But the problem is, the Lord's GPS is uh, was instructing the priest to go cross that river. How are they supposed to cross that river? When you see a sea, when it's very calm, it seems like you can walk on it. But in your mind, you know you can't. Because you will drown. This is called the path of faith. That's what we call the path of faith. It seems like we can cross it. But in our heart, we know we can't do it. Because without Stepping out uh, through faith, you surely will drown. But the priest was the one who initiated, they went ahead. Because they are our leaders. They set a model for us. They set a role, uh, they set a model for us. If they move ahead, we will move ahead. You know what's amazing? By faith, when the priest stepped on the edge of the river, look at verses 15 to 16. Their feet touched the water at water's edge. The water from the upstream stopped flowing, and it piled up in a heap of a great distance at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethan. While the water is flowing down uh, to the sea of Ar Araba, that is, the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. Once their feet stepped on the edge of the river, the water stopped at a town called Adam. And it stood a great heap just like a, a wall. And where did it end? Until the Dead Sea. Let me show you this picture. God opened a way for them. You know how wide that path is? It, it's it's uh, two miles or three points. 20, 20. 20 miles, miles. Uh, 20 miles and three, 33 kilometers. It's not that narrow. It's a very wide road. You know why? You know why? Yeah, remember. There were two million Israelites ready to cross that river. If you are only to open a road this wide, let me tell you, you'd probably need a month for the people of Israel to cross that river. Imagine. Just imagine. 
God was truly their way maker. He made a way for them to cross that Jordan River. We thank the Lord. Who went ahead, who stepped in the front? It's the priests, our leaders. So, dear church, there's this this very important lesson that we need to learn. We must learn to respect God's servants. But on the other side, those who are God's servants, we need to set a good example and follow good examples. Never ever Never ever tell people to listen to me speak because I'm your leader, I'm your pastor. Doesn't work. That's not how it works. Because there'll come a day if you don't have that position, nobody will listen to you anymore. But your life is an example. Paul said to Timothy, Timothy. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. May the Lord help us. We need to walk down this path of faith. But we need to follow men of faith. When I was studying in Hong Kong in my uh, seminary, my seminary is quite unique. It, is, it was the only seminary in Hong Kong that, that does not uh, collect tuition fee. Because they had this very important principle. We started this seminary by faith. So by faith, they place an offering box in front of that school. If you are so moved by the Spirit, you support. I remember the first year I was in seminary. Our principal said to the whole class, after you graduate, not only should you know uh, by the Bible, not only should you know how to preach, the most important, you need to learn how to walk down the path of faith. You need to see how God is working in this seminary. And this, these are words that I kept in my heart. I've, I learned the path, I learned to walk down the path of faith. As I started ministering in, and leading the church here in CBCP, today is the, this year is the 32nd year. The, I was the first one. Now, the first thing that I changed in the church during that time, I said to the church council starting next month, we will not pass the, the offering basket around the church. Instead, I'll put an offering box at the back and allow people to just voluntarily give. Whoever is moved will, will donate. If you don't, you're not so moved, you don't have to do it. 
Because we are not forcing anybody to give. You know there are people who refuse to give. But the offering bas- ba- uh, basket is passed before them. They're embarrassed not to put anything there. Those who are embarrassed, they probably, probably put in five pesos or ten pesos in it. God does not need our money. Because these are not money that they are willing to uh, they give willingly. There's this pastor who's more interesting. Said pastor. If they give five or ten pesos, that's good enough. There are people who dip in their hands and take money out. So, and I said, no, let's not do it. If you don't, if you don't feel like giving, you don't have to give. Thirty-one years. God is faithful. The, the amount of money we are receiving in our offering box is beyond our uh, comprehension. It's the 32nd year today. We have never lacked in financial needs. I have no idea where the money is coming from. That's how faith is. We don't know what lies ahead in the future. But may the Lord We need to pass on this uh, life of faith from one generation to another. When we started building this, estab- uh, this discipleship center, we need a huge amount of money. Let me ask you, have, you anyone, have I approached anyone here for, for, for you to donate? Never. Never. I've never approached anybody here in the church for donation. Whether you want to give or you don't want to give, that is up to you. But we cannot imagine when God started working, a sister who's no longer with us, who's passed away already. Her name is Gloria, Sister Gloria. She had last stage cancer. One time when I went to church to visit her and I prayed for her, she gave me an envelope. She said, Pastor, I know the church is going to build the discipleship center. This is my donation. I dare not accept that. Because she needed that money for her treatment. But she said, She said, I may never see this place. But I want to be part of the building process. So, Pastor, please accept this. That's how people give. So, may the Lord help us. And I, I hope and I pray that our leaders would live a life of faith and, and uh, our generational leaders would also do the same way. And the last one. We need to look at the Lord's promises. Because God's word is our guarantee. Look at verses 9 to 11. Joshua said to the Israelites, Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you. 
and, the, and that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, uh, Girgashites, Amorites, and Jebusites. See that the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. Joshua said to the people of Israel, The Lord of the Ark of the Covenant will cross Jordan River with you. And he will, he will go before you and drive out all the different tribes of Canaan. And you would notice something unique here. Whenever God gives us a command, He has a promise for us. When you need to do something, there's always a guarantee. Because God's promise comes with His commands. So you don't have to be afraid. If you follow my command, I will be with you. I will help you. You will not be alone. May the Lord We need to understand this very important concept. Imagine God is commanding us to go. And there's no guarantee. There's no promise. We are so uh, so pitiful. God said to Abraham, Depart from your own ancestral homeland. During that time, Abraham was 75 years old. How will he leave or depart his own homeland? There's a Chinese saying, When an old tree is being moved, it either wounds or it dies. Not depart. Because it is deeply rooted in that. But God said to him, Go ahead. I will give you a promise. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. But it's not yet finished. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the people on earth will be blessed through you. God, on one hand, will give you a command. On the other hand, he, he supplies a promise with that command. God commanded them to cross the Jordan River. That is a command. But there is a promise. I will be with you. I will drive out all the Canaanites and their tribes out from We thank God. Please remember. Whenever God gives you a command, there is always a promise that comes with it, so obey God. Where is God's promise? God's promise can be found in His Word. Because God's Word is trustworthy. Because God is faithful. There's this, uh, there's this phrase in the Bible that I really love. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. May the Lord help us. 
God will never be unfaithful towards us. So God said to the Israelites, By faith, go ahead. You know what God is saying here? Do not just focus on the present hardship. Focus on God's promises. If you only look at what's around you, let me tell you, you will not even take half a step. Because if you look at things around you, you'll be so afraid. There, the people of Israel were facing a flooding. How were they supposed to pass through? You know, there's this verse in the Bible. It's found in Isaiah chapter 5. The last verse. If one looks at the land, there is only darkness and distress. Even the sun will be darkened by clouds. If you are to look at your surroundings, it's very dark. You would, but you'll be a, you will, will forget. Behind that cloud is the sun. You may not see the sun, but there's come a time as the cloud dispels, you would see the sun shining on you. When I was in Hong Kong, I was invited by my classmate to speak in their fellowship. Before I went there, she, uh, that person said to me, We have problems in our fellowship. And before we had about 30 or 40 people attending. Right now it's a little bit more than 10. We have so much problems there. I would like to invite you to, to encourage us and challenge us. And during that time, I, I use this verse to speak to them. Would you just look at your surroundings or look at the God beyond the surrounding? So after preaching, I went back home. After two years, I went back to preach in that fellowship. As my classmate said to me, of course, he doesn't call me Boksu, he calls me Jeremiah. Thank you for your message that day. Right now, right now we are back to about 30 plus attending. May the Lord help us. Sometimes if you look at our surrounding, there seems to be no way. But please remember, but we don't just look at the surroundings. We look at the God who controls our surroundings. 2023 is started. I don't know if you're filled with hope when you look at the things around you. I hope that today you'd open God's spiritual GPS. Look at God's Ark of Covenant. Look at the path of faith being walked down upon by the, by the leaders of the Lord. Look at the promises of the Lord in God's word. As we face the challenges that lies ahead in this new year, may the Lord bless us. Let's pray. Let's pray. Dear God and Heavenly Father, as we come before you, we thank you so much, Lord, for this important reminder, Lord, 
many times we just look at our surroundings and for many of us, we look at 2023 and we are filled with despair. We see the challenges that lies ahead and it seems hopeless for us, Lord. But today's word reminded us, Lord, that there is a God behind all these. There's a God who's in control and there's a God who remains sovereign, Lord. That's why we look at you as our spiritual GPS, Lord. Lead us down the path that we should take. Allow us, Lord, a humble heart. Allow us a heart that is steadfast, Lord, in obeying you, in following you. A heart that will fully be devoted to you and not rely on ourselves, Lord. As we follow you, Lord, as you direct us, Lord, as you command us, we hold on to your promise, Lord, because we, you have promised that you will never leave us alone and you will always be with us, Lord. That's why we hold on with faith and with hope, Lord. Thank you so much for this promise. This is our prayer in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Thank you.